So just a word of explanation. We are not through with Revelation. As a matter of fact, we're only about halfway through. And I've been made aware that there are actually some people, maybe some here and definitely some, who were really looking forward to this week because we were supposed to go into chapter 13, and, and now I'm not going to do that. Um, but we will. Um, first Sunday after Easter, Lord willing, we will come back to the book of Revelation, and we will finish that. But we are also in the Easter season, and we have a couple of more weeks before Palm Sunday and then Easter Sunday, and we want to take just a little break from the book of Revelation to focus in on some themes that are maybe a little more related to that. Um, this week, sort of, but, but not really. What actually happened this week is we had classes here at the church on Friday, and that was, as always, a really busy time for all of us who were involved as delegates and getting things set up and so forth. And as I reflected on where I wanted to go, if I didn't go to Revelation chapter 13, I thought, well, you know, a week ago yesterday, um, I was out at the cemetery with um, Bert Kramer, his family, and um, did a little meditation on Psalm 23. And I thought, you know, that there's a lot there that we could expand upon. So I thought, well, I'm just going to work that into a regular sermon. And so today we're going to be looking at the 23rd Psalm. We'll come back next week with some Lenten and Easter themes. The uh, Good Friday service, as always, will be a community service. We are not going to have Monday Thursday here at the church this year. But on Good Friday, one way or another, there will be a community service uniting the evangelical churches in High River. As yet, we're not sure 100% how that's going to happen. Some of you have heard me explain there was some notion that we would do it out at the, the drive-in, and then we found out that was going to cost $4,000 to rent the drive-in as a venue, so that was off the table really fast. Um, we're talking about some other possibilities where there could be a drive-in service, but whether it's drive-in or not, there will also be an online element to it, and we'll make sure that those links get out to you so that you are able to uh, join in that Good Friday service and we'll be united as a community, at least in that way. And um, they always say, at, at the end of the Passover Seder, I think the prayer is next year, in Jerusalem, and um, we, at the end of this Good Friday service, which marks Passover in our Christian church year, we will say, next year, Lord willing, in the Baptist church or in the full gospel church or wherever we can put as many people as we possibly can all together in one place to worship the Lord and to celebrate the death, resurrection, and ascension of his Son in glory. So just before we turn to the word of the Lord this morning, let's look to him in prayer. Father, we are so thankful that you call us together from week to week. And the Lord, whether we attend in person or join online by the various means that are available to us during this time, we're thankful that even though it feels like somehow less true, we are still one body in Christ Jesus. We are your people. You have united us through your Holy Spirit. You are at work in us here at High River CRC and in your church all around the world to accomplish your purpose, to proclaim and to bring in the kingdom of your beloved Son. 
And so, Father, we give thanks in this opportunity to worship, even though things aren't exactly the way that we would like them to be, and we rejoice in all that you have done for us in Christ Jesus. And Father, we ask that you may enable us by your grace this day and every day of our lives to truly pray without ceasing that your kingdom may come and your will be done here on earth, even as it is in heaven. We ask in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So it just, uh, it goes without saying, really, that these are difficult times. These are not times that any of us would have chosen. And that's not to say that they are worse than other places in the world. They're not. There are a lot of places in the world who are looking at North America right now and saying, wouldn't it be nice if things were that good? And there are a lot of times in history when God's people have really suffered and struggled under the yoke of oppressive governments. And in those times too, I'm sure there would be some who had they been able to look into the future and to see what we've been going through, would say, well, that actually looks pretty good. But for us, with all the changes that have taken place, these are not easy times. We have COVID-19 and all of the people who've been sick and all of the people who've passed away, some who were friends and loved ones. We have just the turbulence of this world in which we live. You turn on your computer, you turn on the news, you listen to the radio in your car, and it's rare that stories just make you happy. Sometimes you have to just turn it off and go for a walk in the sunshine in order to feel happy about things in this world. We hear about violence and unrest, even wars and rumors of wars, to borrow an expression from Jesus himself. All of these things together, they just, they shake us. And maybe we feel a little bit like the sons of Korah seem to feel in Psalm 46, like the earth is giving way and the mountains are falling into the heart of the sea. Maybe we feel like somebody is just yanking the rug from out under our feet and, and, and it's only a matter of time until we land unceremoniously on the floor. An old pop song from one of my favorite singers said, in times like these, it's hard to keep a man off his knees. And if he meant it's hard to keep a man from praying, that would have been a good thing, but that's definitely not what he meant. And maybe more importantly, George Beverly Shea, who used to travel with Billy Graham a long time ago, once wrote a song that said, in times like these, you need a savior. In times like these, you need an anchor. And surely... That is true. It was true then. That was a long time ago, probably before I was born. And it's true now, and it'll always be true. In times like these, we need a place to turn. We need a place to stand. Maybe it would be far better to say, in times like these, we need someone to turn to. And we need someone who will stand with us. And I think that's why in times like these, so many have turned to the 23rd Psalm, our text for this morning, those ever so familiar words. David, the shepherd king, the giant slayer, he wrote, and I'm going to read this in the King James Version, 
because no matter how many times I try to do this from any other version, my brain just defaults to the poetry of the way I memorized it when I was a child, and maybe some of you have that same experience. So uh, I'm still allowed to use the King James in the Christian Reformed Church, and I'm going to do that this morning. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Ancient words, but as another song says, ever true, and so they are. For this is the comfort, the consolation, the confession, and the peace of all those who look to God through faith in Jesus Christ. And it's all of those things for a couple of reasons. It's all of those things because here in this psalm, we find the promise of provision. The promise of provision of all that we could ever truly need in body and in soul. I know the psalmist says, I shall not want, but he wasn't thinking of that in the same way that we do. This is not a promise of everything we might want but it's certainly a promise of everything that we would need. And I shall not want, the shepherd king says, because the Lord is my shepherd, Yahweh, the king, the almighty father, the maker of heaven and earth is my shepherd. So of course, I shall not want. As the father said in the parable in Luke 15 to the older brother, son, you are always with me. And all that I have is yours. Now, that was a parable, but when we understand that in our lives, in our context, this is the living God speaking to us. If we realize that, that God says to you, sons and daughters, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. I feel like I could just take off the mic, we could sing our closing song, and we could all go home. What more is there to say? God is with us, and all that we have, all that he has, is ours. That pretty much sums it up. But of course, the psalmist doesn't see this as an ending point. He sees it as a mere starting point. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. So here is the promise of provision. Here is the living God saying to you, my children, my people, in Christ Jesus, sons and daughters, all that I have is yours. But there's another promise here as well. There's the promise of presence. 
promise of provision and a promise of presence, as David wrote in verse 4, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. So it's not, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you have promised to give me everything I need. You have promised to give me all kinds of nice amenities for the journey. Wealth, family, friends, and perpetually good health. It is, after all, the valley of the shadow of death. He doesn't say, I will fear no evil because God's going to give me stuff. He says, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. I will fear no evil because the greatest provision of all is the promise of God's presence. It's a beautiful song by John Michael Talbot where he sings, God alone is enough. Whoever has God lacks for nothing at all. This from one who's acquainted with fasting and privation. This from one who knows that whatever else we may perceive ourselves to be lacking, God alone, his presence, his assurance that he is with us always is enough. And I think sometimes we've thought of this psalm as almost describing a journey. We've thought of it as sort of sheep moving along their way. And there are times when we find ourselves beside still waters and in green pastures for a while. And then we move on and we find ourselves in the valley of the shadow of death. And sometimes the illustrations, I, I, I know because I looked this up online to see what kind of a picture I could put on the bulletin this week. But if you look at the valley of the shadow of death, what you're going to see is not a valley, you're going to see more like a mountain pass. And in a lot of those images, there are deadly, scary-looking predators just waiting behind trees to jump out and devour the sheep. We picture that valley of shadow as more of a pass to be crossed until we reach the next sunlit valley. And maybe we've even been taught at some point in Sunday school or in church that in the valley of shadow... The shepherd defends us using his rod and his staff to fight off the lions and the bears. When I was a little kid, we had flannel graph. I wish I could say when I was a little kid, we had veggie tails. Not because I think veggie tails are better, but because that would make me about 40 years younger than I actually am. But when I was a kid, we had flannel graph, and we would go into the Sunday school room in the basement of Faith Baptist Church in St. Paul, Minnesota, and Mrs. Javner had set up that blue board. Remember those things? It's just a blue felt background. And she had all those little paper cutout characters, you know, sheep, and put the sheep on the board, and you put the shepherd on the board, and then you put a tree up, and there's a scary-looking lion behind the tree just, just waiting to jump out and devour those sheep. And often they would conflate this passage, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me, with that story in First Samuel of David protecting his sheep by defeating the lion and the bear. David tells that story himself to Saul as he goes off to confront the giant Goliath. And he says, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. He's just saying to God, this giant. Philistine warrior is 
no stronger or more significant than a lion or a bear. It's nothing. And as I recall, there was a graphic of the Lord who is our shepherd doing much the same thing in the valley of the shadow of death. There's probably even some truth to that. I'm not saying that there isn't. Certainly God defends us from our enemies. But I want to encourage us to think about this in a little bit different light this morning. What if, just go with me for a moment on this, what if the green pastures and still waters were actually in the valley of shadow? And of course, that's exactly where they are. You don't find the waters and the pastures up in the high mountains where the passes, you find them in the valleys. What if it's in leading us through that valley of shadow that God actually brings us to those refreshing places where we find water and we find food and we find rest? I think that's David's point. David would have known this. And think about it. It's even in the structure of the psalm itself. Think about verse 3 specifically. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And then right away, verse 4. Yea, though I walk. He leadeth me. Yea, Though I walk, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. See, the image here is not of sheep just running willy-nilly on the hillsides like sheep without a shepherd, as another Bible passage says. Going wherever they want to, doing whatever they want, and the shepherd kind of chasing after them, trying to get them all back together into one flock, or maybe responding to their cries for help if they happen to get into trouble with a wolf or a lion or bear. That's not the image of this psalm. In this psalm, the image is of a shepherd, the shepherd, the good shepherd, leading his sheep, leading them in paths of righteousness for his name's sake, leading them to green pastures where they can lie down, leading them to still waters where they can be refreshed, leading them in and through the valley of the shadow of death. Because for those who trust in Christ alone, for the people of God, there is no contradiction or distinction to be made between paths of righteousness and the valley of shadow. They are, at least at times, one and the same. And I think that's David's point here. That throughout our lives, wherever we find ourselves in this journey, in good times and in bad times, in times of joy and in times of sorrow, in times of complete peace and in times when we are overwhelmed by pain, we have the promises of God. We have the promise of God's provision. I shall not want. And we have the promise of God's presence. He is leading us every step of the way. He is guiding us day by day because that's what a shepherd does with his rod and his staff. Maybe sometimes he uses them to fight off the predators, But more often than not, the rod and the staff are used for guiding the sheep along or for getting that hook around one and pulling it back into the way. 
The reason God's rod and staff ought to comfort us is because they are the assurance that he is actually leading us. That wherever we find ourselves in this particular moment at this particular time, it's not random, it's not chance, it's not an accident. We haven't wandered away from God and God's attention has not wandered away from us. He is leading. He is guiding. That's what shepherds do. And just as certainly as we can look to the past and see that he has brought us to green pastures and still waters, we can be confident that he will lead us on to the end of the journey. He will lead us on to himself. The promise of God's provision and the promise of God's presence are not all only all that we could need in life. That's true. God alone is enough. But these promises are in life and in death. I think I've read that somewhere. But in verse 6, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What is your only comfort in life and in death? In life and in death? That I am not my own but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, the Good Shepherd, Jesus Christ. Goodness and mercy will follow me. I don't know if you ever thought about that. Shepherds in those days led from behind. They didn't go out in front and whistle and wave and get the dogs to chase the sheep the way sometimes shepherds might do today. They led from behind and they used the rod and the staff to direct the sheep. So when the psalmist says, surely goodness and mercy, I, I think you could make an allegorical case that you know the rod and the staff are in reality goodness and mercy. And the shepherd follows us all the days of our lives and he leads us on until that point in time when we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Just one more thing. I hope you've noticed this in the past, but if you haven't, I'll call it to your attention right now. The way that David's language changes between verses 3 and 4. In the first half of this psalm, verses 1 through 3, his language is third person. He talks about he leadeth me, he maketh me to lie down, he restoreth my soul. It's kind of a less personal sort of declaration of who the Lord is and what he does. But in verse 4, that changes. In verse 4, he says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. So he's not talking to the congregation of God's people, saying, The Lord is my shepherd. He leadeth me. He maketh me to lie down. Now he's talking to the Lord who is his shepherd. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And all of a sudden, what was already this beautiful pastoral poem set to music has become a heartfelt song of praise. Verse 5. 
Thou preparest a table. Thou anointest my head with oil. These words cannot be spoken with detachment anymore. It's become intimately personal because the Lord is not just a shepherd. To those who trust in him, it is our declaration, the Lord is my shepherd. David knew this, and I hope you know it too. He knew it. We saw it in our call to worship this morning from Psalm 18. Listen to that again. I'm going to read it a little differently this time than I did at the beginning. He said, I love you, O Lord, my strength. Repetition is important, and you can see it on the screen, but I'm going to read it that way. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge. Rock must be important. He comes back to it twice. My shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. David has absolute certainty that these things are true, that God truly is a rock and a refuge, a very present help in the time of trouble, even though he didn't write that one. And why does he have this certainty? It comes out in his very next words. I call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. Not just in this life, here too, but above all from the last enemy. And the last enemy, Paul says, is death. And it too has been swallowed up in victory. I call upon the Lord and I am saved from my enemies. As the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 10, the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I call upon the Lord and I am saved from my enemies, said David, thousands of years before. And this has been the certainty of God's people throughout all time. As long as there have been people who called upon the name of the Lord, and you find that very early in the book of Genesis, that men began to call upon the Lord. As long as there have been people who did, their certainty has been, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. My rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God in whom I trust. This is why the last verse of Psalm 23 is spoken as just a straight-up profession of faith. There's no doubt, there's no question, there is certainty here, there is certainty of comfort. Certainty of comfort in the provision and the presence of God to all of those who trust in him. Surely, goodness and mercy. Surely. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
And this is the comfort that we need. George Beverly Shea said, in times like these, you need a savior. In times like these, you need an anchor. And this is our anchor. It's the only anchor, in fact, for those who trust in Christ alone. It is our only comfort in life and in death that we are not our own. We're not setting our own course. We are not the captain of our soul or the master of our destiny, not in any sense. We belong to God, body and soul, in life and in death. We belong to our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. So I'm going to read this through once more. And I'm going to ask you to read it with me as a confession. Do it quietly and behind your mask. But let's do this as our confession of faith this morning. You can, you can stand, please, if you like. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want... He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen and amen. Let us pray. Father, thank you for the promises of your word the promises that you have made to your people from Adam and Eve right on down through our day, those promises that we see fulfilled in the word of the gospel and in Jesus Christ himself, those promises that we see fulfilled as you work your plan and your purpose in the world around us to this very day. Thank you for the promise of your provision Thank you above all for the best promise, your presence with us through your Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. Seal us, we pray, for that day of redemption. Fill us with your presence and your peace and your power and work in us all that is pleasing to you through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen.